Blog Talk Radio. My name is David Fournier, one of the instructors here at Restoring Grace. I'm very happy to have you with me tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about the force of development, the force of development, or basically the two different paths that we can be on and, and how difficult these paths can actually be. And I want to tell you that coming from where I've been in my life right now, this is a very, very intimate and appropriate conversation for me. Now, there's a force called development. And you don't particularly need to believe in God or be an expressively uh, spiritual person to kind of understand this. But we want to, we're going to set it tonight in talking about it in kind of a spiritual setting. But what I want to say is this. There's a force of development that comes into our lives that, that helps us to move forward out of areas that we're comfortable with. We achieve certain spiritual goals. Maybe in your workplace you have achieved certain vocational goals. You have got the title. Uh, of the job you've looked for, or you have the position, and in your church you're a deacon or, or, or a pastor, whatever's meaningful to you, and in that way, you look at it and you say, I've obtained my spiritual goals. And we benefit from this, uh, especially that pursuit, especially, especially working towards that attainment. But eventually what happens is we become it, it becomes empty. It's something that we got. And you think about something you get that's new. You think of a new car, and you park it out in the parking lot, and you make your family walk five miles because you want to get a chip in it. Then you get a chip in it. You're not worried about chips. And then you don't want to get a scratch. You're not worried about scratches. And you kind of move to a place where pretty much it's in the driveway leaking along. You don't care anymore. So many things that we do bring temporary fulfillment, and eventually they become empty. And I've actually seen, and this is really true in relationships, I've seen that the relationship becomes empty. And there's nothing there anymore. There's no connectivity. No one is, is benefiting from that relationship anymore, and it becomes empty. So we, we set these spiritual goals or we attain these spiritual goals, and we benefit from this and from the process of it. But then those things become empty because we have a constant desire. God gave us a desire. Now, the desire we'll talk about a little bit later is best used uh, to receive for the sake of others and not just to receive for ourselves. So after we attain the spiritual goals and we benefit from that process and those goals and that achievement becomes empty, then we become empty and our actions become very empty. So this force, this force is called development. This force of development pushes against us. It pushes us towards improvement or betterment. As a Christian... I need to be careful. As Christians, we need to be careful about Jesus did it all. I'm not arguing about what Jesus has done from a theological standpoint, what Jesus has done from an atonement standpoint. But what eventually happens in a lot of Christians' lives, it's happened in my life, getting to the place where Jesus has done it all and he's done so much that we don't need to do anything else. We have got to be part of our own recovery. We have to become part of what it is that helps us attain the goals and the missions that God has sent us out for. 
Now, our desires push against this force of development. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, uh, if you like Levi jeans, you like to wear them. If you like pajamas, you like to wear them. If you like moon pies, you like to eat them. If you like a certain restaurant, you you like to go there. Because we get comfortable in our spirituality. We get comfortable in our lives. And we think if we just keep plugging along, doing the same thing, at some point we'll get different results. And that's not how it works. Our desires push against this development, this force of development, saying, no, I don't, I don't need to go there. I've been like this for five years, 10 years, 15 years, and look where I am. Oh, great question. Where are you? Where are you? In the same place you were five or 10 years ago. This resistance against it is called correction. Picture the master of the universe. Picture God that, that you know, if you're in Long Beach, California, and you're heading for Japan in a boat, you could be like two-tenths of a degree off and wind up like in Australia somewhere. Just that little course correction. So picture the master of the universe. He doesn't want to drive the boat for you. He wants you to drive the boat. He wants you to have the thrill and the excitement across the ocean. He wants you to have the accomplishments. He doesn't want you to eat the bread of shame. He wants you to enjoy these things. But at the same time, when we get off course and we have that little correction, he in, in, in engages that force of development. This process is called a return, or a, a word as a Kabbalist you may be very familiar with, tikkun, to make us more like the Creator. See, the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal in all of this is that we become more like the Creator. We don't become God, but we become more like God. As a Christian, we don't become a Savior, we don't become Jesus, we become more like Him. Now, there's two paths, and I know it always sounds so cliche when somebody says, there's two this. There's only two things in me. But in this case, there really is. There's two. There's the path of pain, which is the one that most of us are on. And there's a path, they refer to it in Judaism, as the path of Torah, or the path of mitzvah. We're going to talk about it in kind of a, in more of a spiritual stance. The path of pain is just going out there and experiencing things and not listening to the wisdom and not listening to the guidance and not listening to what God can bring into our lives. And just bumping into people, bumping into situations, and stumbling along, and not feeling confident in ourselves. It's just a constant path of pain. The path of pain is the one that reminds us of our shortcomings, the things that we did that we aren't happy about, things we'd like to change in our past. Again, just the path of pain. But then there's a path called the path of Torah, the path of mitzvot. We'll talk about that in just a moment after this brief commercial break. Looking for something different at your next retreat, Bible study, or weekend seminar? Restoring Grace could be the answer for you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and we gladly support, encourage, and minister in many churches across the country. You can reach me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Or you can call 719-233-6265. 719-233-6265 for your next upcoming event. All right, welcome back. We were just talking a minute ago about this one path, which is the path of, of pain. It's the one that most of us is on. And then there's the path that Judaism, refer, Judaism refers to as a path of Torah and mitzvot. And on this path is a guided kind of system that, that shows us what God's trying to get us to do, because the ultimate goal is becoming like the Creator. Now, every event, 
every event that presents itself is an opportunity for transformation. Again, we have to be careful because sometimes we think the transformation has already been done. It's already been finished. We don't, I don't need to transform. I'm already transformed. I, I don't need to worry about these things because I'm already there. Well, you may think you're already there, but you might want to get in contact with the people around you because they might think differently. We've got to stay in that constant mode of transformation, and we've got to turn each opportunity. This, again, the force of development is coming into our life. What's the first thing you do when your boss sits down and sits you down at the table and takes you to school? And let's just say, for sake of argument, he's right on all counts. What do you do? You get bummed out, you get depressed, you get angry with them. We begin making excuses about, oh, it would be different if we did this, if we did different. I understand all that. But what we have to do is take those opportunities and move from that desire to receive for the self alone. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to tell them how I really feel and move those into an opportunity to desire to share. I'm going to listen to what input is here, and I'm going to put this input to work in my life. Actual transformation. And listen carefully here because this is a tough thing for people to hear. The actual transformation, the actual work is done on us by God. We don't actually do that work. God internally, spiritually, does that work in us by using the force of development. And as we submit to that will, we submit to that developmental process, he gives us the strength and the ability to carry out the task. I hear people say all the time, Oh, I've done this for God, and I've done this, and I kick this, and I don't do this anymore, and I, 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 all these things you've done. How did you do that? How did you do any of that? God did it through you. It's been done on us by God, that transformation. When we submit to it, our work, the, the true work, the genuine work for us is staying connected. Now, being connected to God, being connected to God, this is an interesting concept. Kabbalah teaches that being connected to God means that we're connected to the original thought. Now, some people I know are listening to this right now, and when I say connected to the original thought, you say, that's not what it's about. We're not talking about worshiping crystals and floating around a room, bending a spoon with your mind. What we're talking about is there was an original thought by God that stemmed all of what we see as creation. And for us to return to that original thought means to be connected to his original thought for us, his original plan, his original process, his original purpose. Then we can understand why are we here? Where do we go from here? Our lives are meant to be all about God. I said a couple of minutes ago, and I want to come back to it. It is about what God does on us. We say, oh, we're doing the hard spiritual work. Really, the ultimate hard spiritual work is simply submission to what the master of the universe is trying to get done. Our rejection of God, our rejection of connection with him, our fear of him, our hatred of him, however you think about God, whether you think he exists, you don't think he exists, you think he's a nice guy, you think he's a mean guy, it controls your actions. It controls your actions. I don't mean this is a shot on an atheist, but an atheist is an individual that says, I don't believe that there's a God. He must act in such a way and live in such a way and believe in such a way that reinforces that he doesn't believe there's a God. So if somebody gets really sick of his family, he doesn't pray to God. He doesn't think there's anybody listening. And when people start talking about all these great things God has done in, our li in their lives, he says, no, he didn't. There's no such thing. 
how we view that, our rejection of God or our connection with him, our fear of him, our hatred, all those things control our actions. And we cannot, in this force of development, this is what God is doing on us. This is happening through our lives, not to our lives or for our lives, but on our lives and through our lives. You cannot be the potter, the vessel, and the clay all at the same time. You cannot be the potter, the clay, and the vessel. We have great songs that we sing. And many people, many Christians, many people at my church, I would ascribe to the idea that God is the ultimate potter, and we are the clay, and we're on the potter's wheel. There's ministries called Potter's House. There's all kinds of stuff. But in the end, they don't really understand how does that work. Now, most of the women that are listening to this have already flashed back to the pottery scene between Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze in Ghosts, and I've lost that part of the crowd, and it was a pretty uh, interesting scene. What does that mean if we're saying there's this force that's developing us? Now let's think about that potter. So you're this, you're this clay, and the potter wheel is spinning, and this, these hands are coming to design that pot to shape it into the form that is useful for service for the master, and all of a sudden the clay says, I'm not into this. I like just being a lump of clay. I don't like spinning around. I'm getting sick. I want to just stay in the form I'm in now. And the potter's saying, no, I want to bring you back to the original moment of what I wanted to design you. It means bringing all your elements to the table and then getting worked into shape. It's not about the great things we do for God, but it's understanding that God works through us. He doesn't work to us. He doesn't work for us, but he works through us to understand what he's doing on us and to really embrace the idea that the force of development, the hands of the master of the universe working that wheel and shaping out the pieces of us that don't look like him so that we eventually take the shape and the form of him. It's one thing to say, oh, you are the potter, I am the clay, and sing all the Catherine Coleman songs you want to sing. It's different when you're actually really going through that situation. The force of development that you feel in your life, that uncomfortableness, is there for a purpose. It's to shape you into what God wants. He's working on your life. The resistance you feel, that's normal. That's your ego saying, I don't want any part of change. I want to remain the same. My name is David Fournier, one of the instructors here at Restoring Grace. Thank you so much for listening. Zohar in 15. Mm-hmm.